AgriTalk is brought to you by Case IH. Solutions for every challenge, equipment for every farm. Case IH, built by farmers. And by Grounded. Spray smarter and improve herbicide performance with Grounded, a multifunctional adjuvant from Helena. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Congress is on recess, but we will get an update on what lawmakers should expect when they return to Capitol Hill in a couple of weeks. And we'll try to gauge the risk of a government shutdown at mid-January as well. And let's talk fruits and vegetables. What changes and trends developed in 2023 that we should all recognize? Live from the waning days of 2023 via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, we'll meet with U.S. Senator Roger Marshall of Kansas. Then we'll get a year in review from Tom Karst of The Packer. Michelle Rook will bring us the news. I'm producer Big Apple Joe Stackler, and now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. All right, Big Apple, thank you so much. Waning days is exactly right. If you count today, we're down to the final two. Yes. Wow. Work Not the days. most clever intro I've ever come up with, but it's accurate. It's a <laughs> yes, it is. Hey, you know, at this time of the year, a- accuracy is probably taking precedent over cleverness. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'd it's like to good. think they've all been accurate, but clever has <laughs> like been fifty-fifty probably. <laughs> good stuff. Thanks, buddy. Welcome to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you are with us on this Thursday morning. Uh, we've got some overcast skies up here in northeast Iowa. If you look at the radar, we're getting snow. If you look out the window, we're not getting any snow. <laughs> so it's uh, it's one of those days. But I do know that further south and east of where we're at, the snow is starting to fall. And the, the weather's starting to break down a little bit on us. We're starting to accumulate some of the white stuff down in eastern Iowa. Uh, Senator Roger Marshall is going to be with us today, as Big Apple just said. Uh, Several things that we can talk about with Senator Marshall. And number one thing that I want to get from the senator is if he had an opportunity to sit in the Oval Office with President Biden and offer some advice on on, on how the border situation should be handled, What would that advice be? And, of course, the reason that we're asking Senator Marshall that is because of what recently happened back on December 17th with the shutdown of two rail bridges that were key in moving product from the U.S. into Mexico and and things like corn, wheat, and soybean meal in particular. So we'll talk about trade. We'll talk about some appropriations bills, and we'll talk about what uh, Congress needs to get done in early 2024 to avoid a shutdown. All right, let's bring in Michelle Rook. Michelle, how are you this morning? Hey, pretty good, Chip. Thanks. Yeah, glad you're here. Everything good? Yes, and I will take off on what Joe said. Mm-hmm. I am going to be accurate, but not very clever today. So <laughs> That's kind of my mantra every day. <laughs> we'll, we'll go forward with that, all right? Let's get to the news. Okay. What do you got? 
Well, Brazil corn and soybean exports for December fell below forecast. Soybean exports are projected at 3.48 million metric tons in December, down from 3.5 expected last week. Corn exports are projected at 6.96 million metric tons versus expectations of 7.17 million metric tons. Meanwhile, wheat exports estimated to have risen sharply, though not much wheat was shipped. You know, when we take a look back at... at uh... 2023 and really this goes back all the way to 2022 when they cleared the red tape so that china could start importing brazilian corn we knew that it was going to be an issue but the way that they've taken advantage of it and and taken advantage of what was a record brazilian corn crop man oh man what a thorn in our side it's it's something it is absolutely a thorn in our side and I don't know. They will probably have a little smaller crop, but I think they're still going to be very competitive with us. A two-month rally in bond prices and expectations of at least six rate cuts in 2024 pushed equities to or near all-time highs. The U.S. dollar index has been under heavy selling pressure as well. Now, while the situation is currently bullish, a Swiss Swiss quote analyst warns of overly optimistic expectations for rate cuts and that the Fed is unlikely to cut at the pace Fed funds futures currently expect. Once more realistic expectations are realized, a downturn in the equity market would be likely, especially yeah. considering overbought conditions. You had a good talk about that yesterday on the show. Yeah. So yeah, yesterday afternoon with Glenn Ring, uh, yeah, he was. I can in, I, I can envision one, maybe two rate cuts in 2024, but there there are odds out there for four, five, six cuts. I don't see that happening. No, I don't see six either. That'll take us too far away from their projected inflation yeah. project, you know, yeah. goals, I guess. Yeah. Russia is set to increase fertilizer output by 10% in 2024, bringing production and exports back to 2021 levels. That's according to Russian Fertilizer Producers Association. Russian fertilizer exports encountered problems following Western sanctions due to their 2022 invasion of Ukraine. Now, while those sanctions remain in place and Russian fertilizer probably won't find the Western market, higher supplies should tame world prices. And boy, they have really come down. Fertilizer prices have. Yeah. The Biden administration. Oh, go ahead. No, you. I was just going to say, hopefully that is a good sign going into mm-hmm. the 2024 growing season mm-hmm. but they're still historically high so mm-hmm. the biden administration finalized contracts to purchase three million barrels of oil to replenish the strategic petroleum reserve the oil was bought for an average of 77.31 a barrel below the average price of 95 dollars a barrel in 2022 the u.s conducted sales last year including a record sale of 180 million barrels to stabilize oil prices following russia's invasion of ukraine i just want to know why we didn't do some of this earlier yeah yeah, and here we are doing it now. And and uh, we WTI this morning is off forty to fifty cents, so it's not having a major impact on the markets. No, the Wall Street Journal reports several major emerging economies are increasingly trading commodities without using the U.S. dollar to buy things, including oil. They're aiming to reduce their reliance on American currency. Plus, countries like Russia and Iran are trying to skirt U.S. sanctions, selling oil to countries like China and India. J.P. Morgan Chase reports about 20 percent of the world's oil is traded in currencies other than the U.S. dollar. 
The initiative in the Red Sea to safeguard shipping routes from Middle East terrorist attacks has gained support from several nations. The administration has officially named 12 countries as participants, but mentioned the involvement of 20 nations. However, some countries such as Italy and Spain have openly distanced themselves from the initiative. Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates have also expressed disinterest in joining the effort. Meanwhile, Danish shipping company Maersk said that they have scheduled, said it has several, scheduled several dozen container vessels to travel via the Suez Canal and Red Sea in the coming weeks after calling a temporary halt to those routes this month after attacks by Middle East terrorists. Yeah, I wonder what the insurance rate is on those. <laughs> I bet it's really high. I bet it's uh, just terribly high. Uh, you know, and, and every time we talk about these these shipping issues because we've got the Mississippi River, we've got the Panama Canal, we've got the Red Sea, we've got the the Black Sea. All of these headwinds to global trade just make that global trade more expensive. At yeah, some what point, what a domino effect! Yeah, at some point, Michelle, I feel like this is going to. It may not rekindle an inflationary fire, but it's going to be inflationary at some point. I, I, I just don't know how it, it can't be. So, All right, no good stuff, Michelle. We'll talk to you this afternoon. Okay, thanks. You bet. Thank you. Okay, coming up next, Senator Roger Marshall from Kansas, right here on AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Hey. Oh. Chickens have come home to roost. Find out whose fence they're perched on today on AgriTalk. That bump reminds me, I should have made mention that Davis is on vacation. He'll be back with us next week. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Uh, let's get straight to it. Senator Roger Marshall, representing Kansas, is our guest right now. Senator Marshall, thank you so much for making time for us. Happy Christmas. And uh, Happy New Year. Yeah, Chip, Happy New Year to you and your listeners as well. I think we're going to have a great show here. I know we got some really good topics to, to yep. get at. 
Yeah, absolutely. I want to start with, I think, is something that's an obvious spot to start. You were very vocal uh, by the decision to shut down the rail bridges that move a lot of U.S. product across the border into Mexico, especially agricultural products, corn, wheat, soybean meal. Um, now, the, that that opposition helped to correct that problem. Give us the, the status. Give us a rundown of what happened and how we got those uh, rail bridges back open. Yeah, so I think the good news is they are back open. Uh, but, it, but as your listeners know, this uh, supply chain between America and Mexico, whenever you mess up one little small piece of it, it's like a ripple effect uh, yeah. through the rest of the economy as well. And I know you all were talking about inflation earlier, uh, that how this affects trade. But let's stop and celebrate USMCA trade agreement, that because of that agreement, Mexico has now become America's number one trade partner, over $900 billion of trade back and forth with Mexico compared to China at $600 billion. And I know that for Kansas farmers, our number one wheat export destination is Mexico. And we also send a lot of our soybean meal uh, to Mexico as well. So when the White House shut down these two arteries going in and out of Mexico, it had a huge impact on Kansas farmers and really everybody across uh, the nation in so many ways. Uh, there's only four ways on trains to get in and out of Mexico from the United States. You shut down two of those, it's going to have a huge impact. And I think that once again, our White House didn't realize some of their impacts of their decisions. They created this crisis at the southern border where 12,000 people are crossing the border illegally. And they shot, they thought shutting down these two train uh, depots and taking the inspectors out of that, and it only amounts to 20 people, taking those inspectors out to go babysit people that have crossed the border illegally just didn't make any sense. So I'm glad that um, that that our efforts work and we've got to open back up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad that those uh, bridges are opened back up as well. It hasn't done anything to fix the illegal immigration situation. So regarding that, if you were asked to the Oval Office, sat down with President Biden, what would you tell him? or ask him yeah. to do to ensure that those bridge closures are not going to happen again. Right. I think, I think it's really simple. That simple policy changes could impact as many as 75% of the people that are crossing the border illegally. So policy changes like how we handle asylum, how we handle uh, return to Mexico, remain in Mexico, and then lastly is parole. This president has granted parole to 1.7 million people that crossed our border illegally. 1.7 million. So by simply changing his policies, uh, we could help solve 75% of the border problem. I think that's the minimum that he should be doing. But let's just be realistic. Why am I sitting here having to beg the President of the United States to secure the border? That should be part of his job. He took an oath to protect this country from enemies, domestic and foreign. He's not doing that right now, but I'm going to keep after him and, and begging him to start with just some simple policy changes. And we could talk more about, of course, we need a more border wall. We need more border patrol officers, those types of things. But policy is where I would start with. Okay. As we keep breaking these records for the number of illegal crossings on a daily basis, it, that seems to be the focus right now, and we've moved the focus away from things like fentanyl. Um, it, the, 
that that drug is is killing Americans every day. It's got to be part of the reason that we get control of what's happening at the border, Senator. Right, right, Chip. So this is our open border is the number one most immediate threat to our national security we we face. We lose yeah. 300 Americans every day from fentanyl poisoning. We've lost over 300,000 people now mm -hmm. uh, from fentanyl poisoning and opioid poisoning, 90% of which came across this open southern border. And that's why, like you described, this is a national security threat. Um, because yes. of this, the cartel is now uh, set up across the state of Kansas, and I'm sure across every state. I mean, they literally have cartel members in your state, and along with them comes the human trafficking, as well as just the generalized crime that occurs when you see this drug trafficking and human trafficking as well. That's why every state is now a border state, and that's why you have states uh, across the country saying we have to secure the border um, you know, let alone do the social cost of these yeah. people. We're spending at least $500 billion a year as a nation Crazy. to take care of these people that have crossed the border illegally. 10 million now, 10 million people crossing the border illegally under President Joe Biden. Yeah, I saw that it's something like the, uh, uh, more than the population of 17 states has crossed the border. Yeah, three uh, times and, the state population of the state of Kansas. Yeah, crazy. Is the situation finally bad enough? that we can get some bipartisan work done to fix this? Yeah, I, I don't think it is. I don't think we're any closer Jeez. to solving the problem today than we were a month ago, six months, or a year ago, because I've yet to hear very clearly out of the White House that they want to solve this problem. They're giving a little bit of lip service, but they're nevertheless, they're not willing to talk about fixing the asylum issue or the parole issue. If they're not willing to do that, then they're just blowing smoke. So I don't think they're serious about it. And your listeners need to understand Joe Biden wants this problem. He wants these 10 million people. He thinks that they're Democrat voters. Yeah. At least that's the only thing that makes sense to me. So, no, I don't think we're any closer today than we were months ago. And to be frank, I wouldn't even negotiate with them until they're willing to come and say, these are the, the policy changes we're going to make regarding asylum, regarding remain in Mexico, okay. regarding the parole. The other stuff is just nipping at the edges. Okay. All right. Talk to me about trade in general. What do you make about the Biden administration's yeah. use of trade missions rather than trade agreements to build markets for U.S. ag products? Oh, my gosh. I mean, how could I be more more disappointed when I say that this uh, White House declared war in American agriculture the day Joe Biden was sworn in? This is one more example. I mean, they just basically slapped uh, the U.K., England in the face saying we're not really interested in doing an agreement with you. So, so this president has not done any type of a trade agreement since he's got into office, and for for whatever reason, we should be bolstering that relationship with with South uh, Southeast Asia as we turn away from China and all the problems with their trade. Let's uh, make those trade agreements better. Uh, I mentioned USMCA is working well. It's a great model. We could use that USMCA trade agreement as a model for other uh, uh, yeah. agreements as well, for bipartisan trade agreements. So this is not a priority for this president. Uh, his, if this doesn't have something to do with, with uh, the amount of carbon produced, they're not too interested in it. So I think it's the, 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 the silence is deafening. Okay. What are the odds that the appropriation bills will be passed by January 19 to prevent partial <laughs> government shutdown? Oh, gosh, you know, I, I chuckle because I, we, we don't know the answer to that, that either. 
Um, I, I would say that Speaker Johnson, or you know, obviously Republican Speaker of the House, is very motivated to get that accomplished. I know leadership on the Senate wants to get it done as well. I think that as far as getting the appropriations bills passed, no, I don't see that happening. I think they'll do some type of another continuing resolution to keep the government open. But there's an unwillingness in Washington to do these appropriations one bucket at a time. And it's just business as usual up there when you can wait and do some type of an omnibus and bring them all together, then everybody gets their bridge to nowhere done. And the swamp in D.C., the lobbyists have a much bigger impact on how Americans are spending their, their tax dollars. So I think we will keep the government open, but I don't see us getting those individual appropriations buckets done. Uh, obviously, we, we had all November, December in the Senate, and we didn't try even try to do one of them. So I, I just couldn't yeah. be more frustrated. Yeah. A listener just sent me a text, wants to know if there's any leverage in the appropriations to maybe get an immigration deal done. Well, I think there is. And um, it seems like you, when you bring in one piece, it, it makes it more complicated, to be honest. But I think that yeah. you're going to see some type of a last ditch effort. So in Joe Biden's world, what he would like to do is come in and have a huge omnibus January 19th and then throw in some uh, immigration reform, get his funding for Ukraine as well, do it all at one time. That way okay. we can't really expose each part of the bill to the light of day. So I think it's an gotcha. opportunity. I do think we have a once-in-a-generation opportunity to fix uh, our southern border and secure a southern border, border and at the same time address our huge immigration uh, issues yeah. that we have. All this being said, we still have a huge shortage of labor uh, in my ag world in the state of Kansas. It's been that way yeah. for three decades. Yep. Only 10 seconds left on this one. Are we going to get a farm bill done before the 24 elections? Uh, I don't think so. I think we end up with another extension, and I think we'll have a better farm bill. We'll put the farm back in farm bill if we have a Republican Senate. Pat Roberts always gotcha. got it done. I think we're going to need yep. Republican leadership in the Senate. Hey, I tell you, Senator Marshall, thank you so much. Good stuff. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we went through a lot. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Happy New Year, everybody. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Hey, let's go ahead and take a look at what's going on in the markets. It's been an, it, it's been a, a take and give and take week in the wheat trade. We're higher again today after a lower trade yesterday. This is just money movement at the end of the year. I don't know how else to describe it. I don't think that there's any major fundamental reason for the wheat market to be moving around as much as it is. But just the simple fact that we've got some volatility here at the end of the year, it may be low volume volatility, but nonetheless, we are seeing some price movement and that is catching the attention of what's going on in the corn and soy complex as well. Corn is tethered to unchanged, it, it is seriously steady to a quarter cent lower in the corn market right now. Um, that can change before the end of the day, but that is what I would expect out of the corn market now and into tomorrow soybeans uh just slightly higher soybean meal is trading to the downside soybean oil is trading higher despite the fact that we've got some pressure on crude oil futures today over in the livestock trade live cattle under some light pressure box beef market isn't really doing us a whole lot of favor right now and the the live cattle traders are trying to figure out exactly how the holiday disrupted kill schedule is going to impact those cash bids through not only this week but into next week as well 
So there's some uncertainty there. That's bringing some uncertainty into the live cattle trade. Uh, February futures down just 40 cents right now. Feeder cattle futures, uh, I'd call them moderately lower, a buck to a buck and a quarter lower. And lean hog futures also trading to the downside. That's your check of the markets on Markets Now. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hate all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. We've cleared the schedule for you. Give us a call at 855-482-5524 and join the conversation. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you are with us. Good conversation with U.S. Senator Roger Marshall from Kansas. Uh, immigration, immigration, immigration. Boy, we kept coming back to it and, and the impact that it is having on uh, U.S. trade with Mexico. And and it, it, we even tied it in at the, at the very end with, could there be some leverage in the appropriations negotiations to get an immigration reform done in in the uh, months ahead he didn't seem too optimistic about that okay let's take a look at what's going on in the produce markets we've got tom karst editor emeritus at the packer uh tom it's been too long my friend how are you hey chip i'm doing great i'm enjoying the season i've got a lot of grandkids around and yeah a lot of good food so yeah i hope you've had a great season too yeah yeah, fantastic. Uh, just a reminder to everybody out there, the Packer is a Farm Journal publication. Uh, it It is the fresh fruit, vegetable industries, leading source for news information and analysis. And, uh, Tom, I believe it's been around longer even than you have. It's been around since 1893. <laughs> that is correct. Yeah, yeah. very. I'm going, what, what, 130, I guess. That's, uh, yeah. that's running up there quite a bit. That, so uh, Yes, it is. Yes, it is. No doubt. No doubt. Okay, but here's the deal. I pay about enough attention to what's happening in the produce markets uh, to feel like I'm informed, but I know I don't catch half of the news that matters to the industry. But from my 
casual observations, it seems that the trend of localizing the source of vegetables with indoor agriculture, it seems to have really taken a leap forward in in the past couple of years and in 2023 in particular. Is that accurate? Yes, I think so. Uh, you, there has been some speed bumps with some of the indoor ag firms because of uh, you know financial issues. Uh, the mm-hmm. the money they spent from the private equity f- firms to in this sector is is huge, and and uh, it doesn't pay back overnight. So there are some bumps in the road, but I think the trend continues. Uh, I think we'll continue to see investment in indoor ag. Uh, but uh, you know it's not an easy, uh, seamless transition to you know more localized produce. But I think it, it is happening, and it will continue to happen. Uh, one of the things that that worrisome to all of agriculture and is a big issue in 2023 was the H2A program, the guest yeah. worker program, and and those wages are in, continuing to increase. Uh, I think for 20, 2024, it's going to be up six percent. In California, to like nineteen dollars and seventy five cents per hour for a field worker, which is a real strain on on growers. So that's a big issue for the industry right now. Yeah, well, we we talk about some of the financial difficulties that these new startups, the the indoor ag startups, have had. You're talking about putting financial stress on well established traditional farmers in in vegetable and produce, aren't you? Oh yes, oh yes. You yeah. know, we, you know the, Nat, the National Council of Ag Employers has tried to challenge the way they set the uh, adverse effect wages for the H two A program in court. So far, not successful. But uh, the they point out that you know uh, America has what I think forty percent of the fresh vegetables consumed are produced in other countries. Sixty percent of the fresh fruit consumed in the U S. Are, are are from other countries. So um, you know we already bring in a lot of imports. In fact, for 2023 through November, imports of vegetables were up 12% to 12.5 billion. Uh, fruits imports totaled 19.5 billion, up 1%. And meanwhile, our exports are just, you know, right at steady with a year ago. So not, we all continue to see double digit increases on imports, but exports aren't doing much so kind of tough right now is there going to be any kind of an with the indoor ag and you know i i need you to explain the term vertical farmer for for me too here tom um but is there going to be a move to re to replace some of those fruit imports vegetable imports with more domestic indoor production you know i think I think there's no limit to the the innovation and technology. You know, people have been growing uh, strawberries in, inside uh, in in some of these indoor farms. So, I mean, the the imagination and innovation is really um, you know there's no limit to it. Uh, I think we will see that. I think it's going to take time, though. It could be, you know, maybe 15 years down the road, and then we can have a yeah. better picture. of how much of those imports will be replaced with local production, but um, it's going to happen just at yeah. a very modest rate, I think. Gotcha. So we'll continue to see Peru, Chile, Mexico, you know, provide the lion's share of, of these uh, items in the, in the 
in the winter months, especially, of course. Gotcha. Gotcha. Hey, explain that vertical farmer term to me. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I've been around a couple of places. Uh, it, it's just a, a, could be a container farm, you know, like a, a shipping container. They could create a growing environment inside one of those. You could create a, you know, custom built structure. Some of them are hydroponic. Some of them are, you know, glass houses uh, mm -hmm. with some uh, added technology. So it really, uh, a, a wide range of uh, facilities kind of okay. fit that term. But uh, it is exciting to see yeah. the investment and the the, the type of uh, fine-tuning that can create in a, a growing environment to produce, you know, enhanced leafy greens, uh, you know, yeah premium strawberries, you know, more and more items that are going to be, you know, maybe special compared to, you know, field production. They'll be gotcha. uh, definitely value added. So yeah, yeah. I, think, I think we'll see more of that. You know, this attempt to localize the production, it, it wasn't that long ago, Tom, that, it, that if I was looking at tomatoes at, at uh, one of the local grocery stores at this time of the year, I probably wasn't going to buy a whole lot of them, but now we've got a hot house about 40 miles up the road and doggone it. Those are good tomatoes. They taste oh, good yeah, to me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and the, uh, and those companies that have alliances with retailers, yeah. a lot of retailers are, are wanting to support this space as well. So that helps yeah. them out that they, they can provide that local product consumers are looking for so it's a real marriage of uh of convenience and yeah. consumers um are, want to see that they want to see the retailers support those yeah uh indoor ag greenhouse pr uh, production uh that definitely are nearby so yeah that that's great i think it's it's a great market move for for these retailers too sure sure okay you mentioned trade a little bit ago are we still fighting with mexico over tomatoes Oh yeah, that's interesting. Oh, it's uh, it's it's what I mean. Twenty five, maybe fifty years back. I mean, I, I go back thirty five years, but it seems like it's always been an issue. And and the suspension agreement, which is really a minimum price agreement with Mexico, has been under fire. A lot of Florida growers are ready to get rid of it, and they want anti dumping duties on Mexican tomatoes. Um, whereas a lot of the importers of Mexican produce say, hey. This is stabilized trade. We, you know, we, we give you a minimum price, uh, you know, that we have to clear. And our, you know, tomato trade in the U.S. is supports um, many jobs. Uh, so it's it's a real back and it's a real tug of war over this issue. And I don't know if it's going to be easy to resolve. You know, the Mexican distributors would like um, it to be re renegotiated in, you know, next year. Whereas a lot of the Florida growers say, you know, let's get rid of this agreement. We want to restart the dumping investigation, impose yeah. dumping duties on, on Mexican tomatoes. So, uh, you know, of course it's political as well. So a lot of politicians are involved with this and uh, you know, we right. haven't heard yet what the department of commerce is going to decide. So we'll have to stay tuned. We'll keep you posted. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. We did not get a new farm bill in 2023 and we just heard from, Senator Marshall, that we may not get a new farm bill before the elections in 2024. 
but there's been a lot of conversation about the farm bill. Was the produce, the fruit, the vegetable producers, were they getting the issues discussed surrounding the farm bill that they want to be included? Yes, I think the industry does a great job of, of representing what they want, to, you know, in the farm bill for several farm bills now that, you know, it, maybe 30 years ago, we the produce industry wasn't involved with the creation of farm bills to the extent they are now. But, you know, the areas of research, of course, the feeding programs, the, the WIC program, which has a, a fruit and vegetable voucher, um, the um, USDA's program to you know, promote exports. Um, so there's a lot of different um, elements of, of what the USDA does for the industry now. And I think there is a, a, I think they'll be in a pretty good position whenever the farm bill gets done, but there is concern about losing the WIC benefits. Say if, 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 um, if Congress doesn't ad address some of these programs. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, the nutrition title is, is, it, it it feels like all the issues around the nutrition title have not been fleshed out at this point. I, I don't think there's there's any question about it. So it's going to be a topic of discussion when the Farm Bill finally gets back to center stage. Wow. Yes, that's for sure. That's yep. for sure. I can't believe this time is up. My gosh, Tom, it was great to talk with you. Uh, Happy New Year to you. And we'll, let's talk again soon, man. Hey, Chip, great to talk to you. All right. That is Tom Karst. He is the editor emeritus at The Packer. Okay, Pro Farmer put out its Person of the Year, Event of the Year. We'll talk about their selections next. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. They'll hate all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. In the morning, you're coffeeed up and you're thinking. In the afternoon, you've calmed down, but you're still thinking. We're here all day. Agritalk. Welcome back to Agritalk. I'm Chip. Davis will be back with us next week. Okay. Uh, 
this time of the year, the final issue of Pro Farmer each year, the editorial staff there at Pro Farmer, Professional Farmers of America, uh, select a, an, a, a uh, story of the year, an ag event of the year. They Two different things. So a story of the year, an ag event of the year, and then the ag person of the year. And also make mention of some of the uh, honorable mentions in each of the categories. So this year, uh, Brian Grady, the editor at Pro Farmer, of course, headed up the effort in the selection of these three titles. And I love, love, love the story of the year. And it's because it could have gone in so many different directions. But when we think about the the story that has the potential for the longest term, greatest impact on the markets, I think they did a great job in selecting a resurgence in the biofuels industry as the story of the year. The the deciding factor is the fact that there are so many tentacles uh, to this story. It, it 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 had an impact on the resurgence had an impact on traditional uh, ethanol markets. Ethanol margins were good for most of the year. There were some downtimes in there in, in 2023, but producing ethanol in 2023 was generally good business. And part of the reason for that is that blend rate just continues to creep higher. The national average blend rate as that blend rate continues to creep higher. It's, it's creating a market, creating demand. It's creating actual demand, not mandated demand for the product. And, the success of E15 being marketed as uh, unleaded 88, I think that has a lot to do with it. The availability of E15 around in the Midwest has something to do with it. And boy, oh boy, when we think about the the efforts going further, uh, the, getting year-round availability of E15 nationwide, I think will have a major impact on the market. Another issue that was uh, a regional issue, but nonetheless a very controversial issue, is the um, the uh, the capture of carbon from the ethanol plants. What are you going to do with it? If you're going to capture it, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to put it in a pipeline and take it up to North Dakota and stick it underground, or take it down to southern Illinois and put it underground? Uh, are you going to turn it into another fuel? What are you going to do once the carbon has been captured? So the attitude or the belief in the ethanol industry now is you've got to get these ethanol plants to a near zero on their carbon intensity so that 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 ethanol produced at that facility can be considered a viable feedstock for sustainable aviation fuel. So there's a lot of movement that is happening around this resurgence in the biofuels industry. I think it's a great selection, a great selection for the story of the year. 
The Pro Farmer Egg event of the year was the movement, the transition from La Nina to El Nino. And think about those record crops that we got out of South America for the 2022-23 season. Good grief. We're still living with the influence of that, and we're going to continue to live with the influence of that. Talked about it a little bit ago with Michelle. Those record crops coming out of South America for the 22-23 season are are a weight over the market, a thorn in the side, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it is a major event. And now La Nina was responsible for that. But here we go. We're transitioned now to El Nino. We've got some growing condition issues in the uh, in, in Brazil in particular that we're going to have to continue to monitor through the rest of the season. Ag persons of the year. Ready for this one? I think it's good. The Ag Persons of the Year, the Supreme Court of the United States. Okay. Uh, Here's what Brian wrote about it. Nobody had a bigger impact for agriculture in 2023 than the U.S. Supreme Court, which issued two significant rulings. In May, SCOTUS upheld California's Proposition 12 rule, which allowed Massachusetts and other states to push forward similar animal confinement legislation. Also in May... SCOTUS ruled against EPA on its Waters of the U.S. rule, limiting its jurisdiction and forcing the agency to reissue its final rule. So, boy, I tell you what, that's a good selection right there. There's, There's no question about it. When you talk big picture and the people that had the greatest impact on how we do business in agriculture every day, I think you need to look and give the nod to the Supreme Court in 2023 here's some of the honorable mentions for egg story event and person of the year the fed pause and the pivot that's a big story inflation peaked mid-year in december the fed turned dovish suggesting rate cuts are coming having a major impact on equities trade a big impact on commodities trade as well we continue to talk about this one the shipping and logistic woes that happened in 2023 Mexico and the GMO corn issue. Now they backed down on this stance against uh, U.S. GMO corn after Washington challenged the rule versus uh, via USMCA. Let's hope that it can be resolved in the year ahead. Of course, the farm bill is a big story. The highs in the cattle market, no doubt a huge story. Uh, Ag trade, there was a swing from a record ag exports to a record ag trade deficit in fiscal year 23. And then honorable honorable mention on uh, person of the year, Paul Neifer, a.k.a. the Farm CPA. What a great choice. He's the go-to for a lot of farmers out there when it comes to tax-related issues and farm payments. All right, thanks for listening this morning. you got to come back this afternoon. Angie Setzer from Consus right here on Agritalk.